The fourth Sunday of Easter is commonly referred to as Good Shepherd Sunday. We heard in the Collect, the opening prayer of Mass, the Antiphon, here in the Gospel, about Jesus, the Good Shepherd. And Jesus talks about himself in those terms. The earliest image of Jesus in art we have consistently is Jesus as the Good Shepherd. There's a powerful meaning in Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And in particular, when we talk about Jesus as the Good Shepherd, we in our Catholic faith believe the Lord is still calling men to be shepherds in the image of Christ in his church as priests. And so the church asks us in a special way today to pray for vocations to the priesthood and the religious, the consecrated life. To pray for and to encourage and support those who desire to give their lives and configure their lives entirely to Christ. And so I think it's a good opportunity as ever as I'll get here at St. Paul's to talk with you about the priesthood. It's one of the great joys of my life. I have one thing in this life that I can give, my life, and I've given that to Christ and his church and the priesthood. I believe in it fully and wholeheartedly. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. But the priesthood is not in a great state of affairs here, in this country and throughout the church, in fact. And in many ways, it mirrors the chaos the confusion, the difficulties that many of our institutions face. It's not alone in that. It's not unique, right? We're in the world as priests, but we're not supposed to be of the world, but we're affected just as much as everyone in the world. Loneliness, sadness, difficulties, depression, frustrations, tension, both as internally and externally, those mark the priesthood as much as anything or anyone else. And as I've gone around the country on behalf of the Eucharistic Revival, I've done a lot of work talking with priests. And in my in my own relationship and ministry with the amazing parish, I've met priests from throughout the country. And I, I don't want to say the word crisis because it has an entirely negative connotation, but it's something like that is going on within the priesthood in our country. Not only in our country, but I think throughout the church and throughout the world. Here in this country, we, we cannot escape, and we must not try to escape the realities of the sex abuse crisis in our church. It is a horror and a wicked thing that cries out for vengeance. It cries out for justice. My entire life essentially has been marked by this. And it seems like just as we're starting to move forward, we're reminded of this atrocity, of the just absolutely horrible and heinous things that priests did. And it, it brings me to tears to think of how wicked and evil that is. That a priest who is supposed to image Christ who is given this beautiful access to people's lives would use that to abuse or to hurt, and especially children. And not only that, but for our church institutionally and for our bishops to cover that up, to shuffle the deck, to move priests around, to not take responsibility for that. We cannot escape that. If that were the only issue we were facing, it would be generational in terms of its impact and shift. But we live in the world. We face the realities of the world also. Not only do we see this horrible thing within the priesthood, but for about the last 50 years, we've seen a decline in the number of priests. There was a mass exodus from the priesthood in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Something like 25% of ordained priests left the ministerial priesthood. And though our vocation numbers have been relatively stable for the last 25 years or so, they are not at replacement level, and the institutional church really made no changes. And so that has a trickle-down effect into the responsibilities placed on most parish priests 
are utterly insane and unsustainable. Most priests manage, especially if they have a school, upwards of 30 employees on a limited budget with almost no experience in administration or operational uh, acumen. If they have it, it's because they were in the world before or they have a natural predilection for it. Otherwise, they are cast to the, to the winds and thrown out there and said, good luck and God bless you, good sir. It's insane. Here we are, a, a medium-sized parish at best. When the students are here, we're huge. But I have more people to whom that report to me than my brother and dad who run a very successful small business. It's a challenge. I have no training or background in that. No one really supervises my work. I could be doing any number of things. But not only that, when you call, you expect to be treated as if Christ himself has walked into the room. And the priest is treated as if he is Christ himself walking into the room. If it's the middle of the night and we get called, thanks be to God, but sometimes we're not in our right state of mind because it's 2 o'clock in the morning. But the expectations are such that you as a priest always have your life together, your act together, that you will always have the right res response on a pastoral level. But then here's just the challenge again. I, I, I don't mean this as a complaint. This is just the reality. The most intimate and powerful thing that I can do as a human being is celebrate Holy Mass. It is a, it is a thing that I couldn't even imagine, even when I was in formation for the priesthood. The power that God works in the heart of a priest during Mass. It's awe-inspiring. And then oftentimes I'll walk out into the gathering space and someone will ask me about an issue in the parking lot. Or about reserving a room here. And that's tough. That's difficult. We all go through that. But that's just an example of these burdens being placed on priests. And not only that, but there are fewer priests. So the sacramental burden is much more than it ever was before. And the administrative burden is huge. And priests are being asked in some places to put together two or three parishes and run them effectively. And to live on your own. Maybe in some cases, miles from other priests. It's a real challenge. And now you're probably asking yourself, Father, I thought you were going to promote priestly vocations today. <laughs> and you're right. But we have to face the reality. Because I truly believe that when we hear in the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles, when they say repent and believe, repent and be baptized, in order for us to repent, we have to come to grips with all of our brokenness. We can't just bring a little bit of our heart to the Lord. The Lord wants everything. And so I believe that truly when we are being called into is something great and wonderful in this church as priests in this age, that the young men who are being called, and there are young men being called, and we need to encourage young men who are considering the priesthood to follow after Christ in that way, to embrace the imperfections in the church and in their own lives, because as we heard in that second reading from St. Peter's first letter, by his wounds, by the wounds of Jesus, you are saved. When we embrace the cross, when we embrace our own brokenness, then and only then, can we truly live our lives configured to Christ? And so the wool has been pulled back from our eyes. There is no man who approaches the priesthood or religious life in this day and age who doesn't recognize all of these challenges. It should shock us that there are so many still who desire that. 
And yet we oftentimes don't talk about it. Or if it happens, we're kind of surprised by it. But we are called to encourage, to pray for, and to support young men so that our church can be healed through and in its brokenness. And there is a wonderful thing going on within the church, a renewal, especially among our priests of men who are committing to embracing the fact that I, first and foremost, am a broken, fallible man. That I have been called to this great life, and it is only through embracing the fact that I am broken, but God's grace will provide, that I can be free and that I can be the good shepherd Jesus has called me to be. And it's powerful to see this play out. And in particular, I've talked about it before, but in my work with the amazing parish, this ministry that goes to priests and pastors all over the country, Where does it start with? It starts with the reality, Father, you can't do it all. And let me tell you, that was hard to take at first. It's like, well, I I think I can. I'm a priest, right? Jesus will give me the grace. But then I came to realize, actually, no. All of the problems in the parish, in this world, in many ways, they start with my own brokenness. And by laying that down to the Lord, by offering that to him in my priesthood, in my ministry, and empowering the people around me to build up the kingdom of God, and building a team of disciples and disciple-makers, and being the broken spiritual head, but the spiritual head nonetheless, then we can move forward. And in fact, I find it the great blessing of my priesthood when people say to me, Father, you're so broken. You're so not perfect, but you're striving. And isn't that what the Lord asks of each and every one of us? To enter, as we heard in the gospel, through the gate. And this is the other thing that gives me hope and joy. Is that the Lord has laid it out for us. There's no great mystery here. We don't have to renew the institutions and and start over from scratch. Jesus has given it to us. Jesus gives us the shepherds and the apostles. The apostles give us the next shepherds raised up by the Holy Spirit and given the graces through the imposition of hands. He gives us the pasture in the clear revelation and teachings of the church. What does he ask of me as a priest or any one of us who happens to be so graced and privileged to be in that pasture? Be faithful. Be faithful. And this is what I believe will set us free, not only as priests, but as people, is the freedom that comes from living under the leadership, the guidance, and the love of the Good Shepherd in His pasture. Of following His teachings. Of sacrificing so that His will might be my will. Of finding myself by losing myself. Of imitating His example of laying down His life for His sheep of leading from the front, of growing in intimacy and vulnerability with them to such the extent that no matter where they go, no matter how far they stray, when they hear his voice, they run to it. And that is what Jesus is calling each and every one of us to. And in particular, men for the priesthood. He's not calling us to rise and to meet all of the challenges of the world. If we are to overcome them, It will only be through the graces poured out through us and onto us by the Holy Spirit. What he's asking us to do is to rise, to get up, to turn our face toward the sun, toward his voice, to follow after him. Sure, not in my strength, but in his strength. 
Sure, not in my gifts and talents and successes, but only in the fact that the wounded healer comes, the wounded healer calls, and the good shepherd is the Lamb of God. He is the priest. He is the altar of sacrifice. He is the victim. And he does all of that so that we who are lost, we who are struggling, might know the path, might find the pasture, and might have a place to enter. And so today we pray in a special way for our priests, but also in a special way for those men and women who are being called, the men to the priesthood and or religious life, and women who might be called to the consecrated life, to configure their life to Jesus, to enter through that, great, that, that gate, embracing all of the reality around us and trusting that the good shepherd will lead us and by his wounds we are healed and saved.